0: and ask you to believe and take action in dating from a place of deep self-worth. The One exists, and they are you. With that, let's dive deep into this week's episode of The One. I watched the movie Thanks for Sharing recently. This movie stars Tim Robbins, Mark Ruffalo, and Gwyneth Paltrow. It's a movie about sex and love and relationships. The plot is around addiction. Ruffalo and Robbins are in recovery for sex addiction. And in the movie, Ruffalo is five years sober and meets Gwyneth Paltrow. And they have this really great, cute meet. They have a brilliant, sweet rapport, and they start dating. We're very excited for them. And at one point early on, like, date two or three, Paltro asks Ruffalo about alcohol because her last boyfriend was an alcoholic and she vowed that she would never date another addict. Well, Ruffalo does not tell her that he too is an addict, though not an alcoholic. Spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you the entire plot in a nutshell because it matters for this episode. They fall in love, and as we all know, no one wants to lose this like scintillating connection to someone who becomes quickly the only person who's vibrant enough to hold our attention. So Ruffalo continues to keep his addiction a secret, all the while he's spinning about when is the right time to tell this new love interest about something as big and potentially deal-breaking as a sex addiction. Eventually Paltrow finds out and confronts him and he explains and then she says she needs time to think about it and then the relationship begins to unravel from there. Two major factors in this unraveling are his complete lack of self-trust. Ruffalo's character is five years sober but he's been white knuckling his sobriety for those entire five years. He's so fearful of relapse that he has hotels take away the TV so he won't watch porn. He carries a dumb phone for the same reason. And Paltrow's character has undiagnosed eating and extreme exercise disorders. Her food can't touch and she barely eats anything. And she controls her environment too in little compartments of isolated color and order. But her character doesn't see it. They get into a big fight about Paltro's lack of trust in Ruffalo's character and the big conflict happens in the movie and they break up. Ruffalo's character lashes out at Paltro in this big conflict and though he's not perfect himself, he at least admits his flaws whereas Paltro's character is in complete denial about her eating disorder. And so the second factor of unraveling is that Paltro can only be as understanding and compassionate about someone else's addiction as she can be accepting her own. And so this lack of self-trust in Ruffalo and this perfectionism in Paltrow's character make the conflict insurmountable. And it's so heartbreaking because as a movie viewer, we're like, no, you guys are so cute, you're so close, you can make this work. But how could they make it work? And when should Ruffalo have told Paltrow about his addiction? I don't drink alcohol and this is a little bit of an anomaly in our drink culture. I chose to stop drinking in 2015 and my skin and my sleep and my anxiety thank me. I don't ever even think about this though because I don't white knuckle sobriety. And the reason why it's not on my radar is that I looked inward and not externally to change my habit of drinking. And sticking to this decision to not drink in a world that revolves around drinking makes me a little bit of a rebel. And my rebellion worries some potential partners. They wonder if I have a problem with drinking. One person I met didn't want to date me because I had stopped drinking. This puzzled me and I asked him if I understood him correctly that my choosing to not drink was a problem for him. But if I were a drinker, that would not be a problem. And he said yes. This is hilarious but incredibly common. Most people drink. And so those who choose not to drink are the ones with the problem. I think you only have a drinking problem if you are currently drinking and it's a problem for you. Anywho, this non-drinking thing comes up pretty early on when I'm dating. I say that I don't drink alcohol, but I don't care if they do. And I say it early on because some people would miss sort of the experience of sharing wine and spirits with a partner. And then I just wouldn't be the right partner for them. But some people don't care. Others would feel uncomfortable or judged if they were drinking and I was not. Though I myself am not at all uncomfortable and I've had lots of dates who they drink at dinner and I don't and it wasn't even the tiniest bit of a problem for either of us. And a third category would not want to date me or anyone with any type of addiction because they themselves have one and they have not gone deep around it. This is fine, but just know that if you're feeling super judged by a potential partner, they may not have the bandwidth to go deep and dark around things like addiction, theirs or anyone else's, even if your addiction is a thing of the distant past. So back to the topic of when and how to bring up addiction with a romantic interest. The first step is you have to get very zen about your own addiction. You had this problematic behavior and now you don't. How can you offer yourself love around it? How can you recognize this as an asset to your depth of character and not some dirty little secret? How can you feel worthy of the highest love with your addiction? If you're in active recovery, mention it pretty early on, like date one or two. You're going to need the support of anybody who's in your life, and you're going to need to know that anyone that you choose to spend time with supports your recovery and that they're okay with you going through this process. If your problematic behavior is something that's culturally obvious, like not drinking, it will come up very organically and just own it with pride. This is a gift, not a scar and knowing fully that it's a gift will help. And to know it fully, you need to practice knowing it. Using embodiment practices really cements this knowing deep within you. If your addictive behavior is long in the past, you can bring it up at any time. If your potential partner brings it up in conversation and seems really triggered by it in someone else in their life, you need to be really honest about it right away. So for example, I hear how upset you are by your mother's gambling addiction, and this may be a hard thing for you to hear, but I have struggled with gambling in the past. And then tell all of it. You want a partner who accepts you, all of you. This becomes really easy when you have accepted this in yourself. When a partner's able to accept you fully, knowing your whole story, the whole deep, dark narrative, this shows a real maturity and empathy that's a hallmark of a conscious relationship. You're going to have to be brave now or you set yourself up for a fall later on in the relationship. If they accept your problematic behavior for you, but it crosses a boundary for them, like they don't want it in their life, you just have to release this person without trying to convince them that you're fine. Wait until you've both done some work to find more ease around the behavior. Even when addictions are long in the past, some people really worry about a relapse and how it would affect their life. Funnily enough though, a person who's not in recovery from addiction could pose more of a problem for you than someone who is in recovery. We just never look at it like this. When both people are aware and willing to address everything that comes with addictive behaviors, this relationship has legs. It could go somewhere. Just be careful if you're the one supporting, make sure that you have strong boundaries and that you don't slip into caretaking or codependent roles. Again, this is true for every relationship, not just one with a revealed addiction. Any sort of big reveal like this is hard. These big reveals no longer bother me. I no longer keep any secrets from myself, and so sharing my journey with dates feels really good and not scary. I did lots of work around knowing my awesomeness includes these bumps and is not despite these bumps. In other words... I worked through shame, and I find it far less scary to share. Doing this work feels incredibly freeing, and it naturally draws in partners who feel the same. Good luck, and as they say in the movie, thanks for sharing. Heartfelt thank you for listening. I am honored every time you choose the one. Loving yourself does not require perfection big juicy love requires us to get curious to offer ourselves what we are searching for in others and know that from this place of love and power we magnetize amazing connections Please do all the actions to keep the one podcast rolling. Share with others who may need to hear this episode. Like, download, sleep with me under your pillow. Click on the link in the show notes to subscribe to my monthly newsletter. And then listen every Monday and Thursday to get ever closer to the love that you so deeply deserve. You can also follow me on Instagram where I have tons of fun content to inspire you to be the one. You are loved by me.